Welcome to episode 77 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. We are glad you have joined us today as we are together with a wonderful group of uh, brothers in Christ, the Council of the Gospel Reformation Network. And the Gospel Reformation Network, or the GRN, is uh, a group of Presbyterian uh, elders uh, that is uh, led by our own Pastor John Payne. And uh, together with us today, we have uh, most of the members of the council, including uh, Reverend Jason Halopoulos, who is a senior minister of University Reformed Church in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, we have uh, Reverend Dr. Richard Phillips, who is senior minister of the Second Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Also with us is Reverend Dr. Harry Reeder, who is the senior minister of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama, as well as Mr. Melton Duncan, who is a ruling elder and the church administrator at Second Presbyterian in Greenville. Uh, and uh, finally, Reverend Dr. David Garner, who is a professor of systematic theology at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. Uh, brothers, it is good to have you with us today. Welcome. Thanks, Rob. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. So today we want to introduce the GRN to our listeners, and we'd like to start off with a question, a very general, broad question for uh, our own uh, Pastor John. Uh, what is the GRN, and why does it exist? Yeah, thanks, Ross. The, the Gospel Reformation Network, which I, I think we may have spoken about this uh, once or twice on this, on this podcast, but... Um, just to, to update our, our listeners, um, to, to review with our listeners, we, we uh, began uh, six or seven years ago really in response to what we saw as a, a growing uh, concerning trend within the PCA uh, uh, in relation to the doctrine of sanctification. Uh, we were concerned that there was a very uh, unbalanced view of sanctification making its rounds and, and uh, being uh, taught uh, uh, and that really was uh, a view of sanctification um, that uh, was not really focusing on the imperatives of Scripture uh, and not focusing on uh, the fact that uh, we're called to grow in Christ and to obey the Lord and that there are uh, imperatives in Scripture that we're called to please the Lord. It's not all, the, the Christian life is not only, and union with Christ is not only about justification but also about sanctification and growth in Christ and becoming more holy. And so uh, we began to uh, develop some, some seminars, and uh, we had a conference in Greenville, South Carolina, and, um, and then began having some luncheons at the, at the PCA General Assembly, uh, all to, just to really help to bring more balance to the discussion uh, in the Presbyterian Church of America on this important doctrine of, of sanctification as a kind of a a fancy word called antinomianism, which we felt like there, there were some sort of uh, winds of antinomianism blowing throughout our denomination, and people were really misunderstanding this idea about what it means to be a Christian and to walk in holiness and in godliness in the Christian life. Not that, that that holiness adds to what Christ has done, but we walk in holiness because of what Christ has done, and, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to honor and to glorify God in increasing measure our entire lives as Christian believers. We believe that the Lord changes lives. And so we were just, uh, uh, we came up with several um, uh, affirmations and denials as well, which is on our website. And then we began to expand, uh, a couple of years ago, expand the, the, the message of the GRN in order to touch upon a lot of areas which we believe are, are important for church health. And uh, I'll just kind of open it up to the brothers. Um, I know we, we've uh, made it a point to emphasize uh, several things, seven uh, uh, couplets of, of distinctives on our website, and um, there are several important ones that are related to each other. Uh, I'll just kind of open it up to the guys to say, you know, um, what is it that you've been excited about in terms of the message of the GRN and, and some of the emphases we've had? Maybe I'll ask Rick to, uh, to, to begin. You know, we believe that we're, as ministers, we're in the church vitality business. Our job is through the faithful ministry of the means of grace to be the servants by, by whom God brings life to the church. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that uh, there have been a lot of competing models of ministry and philosophies of ministries that are not based upon a, a high confidence in the power of God through his word, in the significance of prayer, 
uh, in in worship that's according to Scripture. And I think much of uh, what had been the church growth movement looked upon that as stale, stagnant religion that couldn't produce numbers. In fact, uh, uh, we know it produces healthy churches that do grow. And uh, so we've been trying to encourage and promote and instruct. Uh, so we started with the original focus on sanctification, which I thought God really blessed. Yeah. I think there were people in the PCA who said, you know, it's be of sin the double cure. Cleanse us from its guilt and its power. Mm-hmm. God does not save us in sin. He saves us from sin and out of sin. And so I, I think that was blessed, but it has led largely under your leadership, as you know, um, to say let's promote a healthy Reformed confessionalism. Uh, we need healthy churches that have the power of God, uh, and we're relying not on a sociological effectiveness. We're not trying to create the right cocktail of cultural influences with a little Bible sprinkled in. <laughs> we are relying, uh, we are banking everything on the premise that God will sovereignly and supernaturally bless the faithful ministry of his word, prayer, and sacraments, mm-hmm. and that he will save, and that he will bring churches, build churches up. <laughs> so... Um, that's a pretty good message to have, and I, I think we've experienced. There's a great hunger for authentic, authenticity, biblical authenticity in ministry, and I hope that the Lord will continue to use us, we pray, to encourage brothers and to model and to uh, educate in the midst of a, not just a secular culture, but a church culture that is not supernaturalist today. Mm-hmm. The, the assumption people are operating on is we've got to find some alliance with culture. We've got to find a way to sociologically package this so that that will make them want to uh, to associate with us. Well, the Bible says that they're dead in sin and transgressions, and they uh, it's, it's a supernatural act of resurrection for someone to believe. And so I do think there's a well-meaning people who've maybe been down some of those roads who are encouraged. We hope, we hope and pray they're encouraged. By uh, and we're just we're just passing on what we are the recipients of. Mm-hmm. We are people in whom the Lord has invested through these kinds of ministries, and we want to show the biblical background for it, but also the real life and joy that comes from God-centered worship and ordinary means of grace ministry. Amen. Now, Dave, you shared a wonderful devotion with us this morning uh, from Second Timothy uh, three and four. And uh, you touched upon uh, an important emphasis that the GRN is all about, and you were really just exhorting us uh, because uh, we are uh, first and foremost Christians and called ministers who've taken vows to, uh, to preach the word. And that's the charge that Paul gave to Timothy. Uh, what kinds of um, uh, concerns uh, do you have? You're a seminary professor at Westminster. You see young guys coming up. Where, some, some have talked about misplaced confidence. Uh, where, where do you see that misplaced confidence rearing its head uh, in, in, in the church in general, perhaps in the PCA in particular, and, and how do we uh, speak to that? How do we want to speak to that as a GRN? Yeah, well, Rick actually began dis- uh, describing that a bit already. Uh, it seems to me that a lot of the reliances, as it were, on things outside of Scripture are, are often unwitting. I, I think sometimes people are not self-conscious about how they're depending on other resources in an inordinate way to develop ministry philosophies and many of the uh, attempts are well intended. In fact, I would say one of the greatest challenges to the church is what I describe as an unsanctified compassion. The, the compassion and concern for people who are suffering, if it's not filtered through the grid of Scripture and what real biblical compassion is, mm. your ministry method is actually going to, be, is going to be distorted from a biblical model. Our compassion needs to be sanctified by the gospel, it needs to be sanctified by the power and, 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 and glory of Christ Jesus. And so with that in mind, I would say that's one of the leading Features. I think there's many today that think, I'm more compassionate actually than God is compassionate. <coughs> and I have this so sense. So I won't say what he says. I won't say what he said. I've got something. I, I believe the Bible, but I don't really think it's relevant to this particular situation. It would be situation. harmful to speak this but, biblical truth. Potentially, it could be. And so I don't think people are actually malicious often in their intentions. 
but they've allowed their own perception autonomous compassion. Maybe would be a way that I'd put it. Or how about this? God has said it this way, but you know, I think I have a better way of saying it. Better way of saying it. That's going to be more compassionate. It's going to be nicer. And that's going to be informed by something outside of Scripture. And what we don't realize we're doing is we're actually saying the Bible is no longer sufficient. And the God of the Bible is a problem, and we need to modify his attitude. And usually it's by embracing sociological, psychological categories. You think of uh, people who are arguing against speaking truthfully from the Scripture about some of these gender and issues, homosexuality and other things. We're being told that to set forth straightforward biblical teaching is to do harm. Mm -hmm. That makes not only the Word of God a problem that we have to overcome, but the God of the Word is now deemed to be a problem. The word for that is idolatry, whether it's witting or unwitting. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Jason, you have uh, done some writing recently to pastors, uh, the Pastor's Handbook. Um, It's a great book. Is that Crossway? Uh, Uh, That's with Baker. With Baker, okay. And uh, I know that's been well received and you know, that's a huge part of our ministry with the Gospel Reformation Network, wanting to speak into the lives of, of pastors who are, who are busy, who are being pulled in several directions every day. Um, uh, what are you, Jason, uh, that's one of our big emphasis, right, with the GRN, is, is encouraging pastoral piety. You've written on family worship, uh, some helpful uh, literature there as well. What do you, what do you want to say? What do you... Um, as a member of the GRN Council, what is it do you think that we're trying to emphasize in terms of uh, piety in the life of the minister? It's been one of our emphases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've been talking about this a lot, just even over these couple of days together, haven't we, as a board, uh, pressing in each other's lives and giving updates on our own lives and praying for one another uh, as we just think about the fact that we need to be walking with the Lord uh, for our own welfare. First thing uh, we did for three hours was pray absolutely. for each other. That's right. Yeah. And it's for our welfare. It's for the welfare of the people that we serve. Uh, and it's for the glory of God. And, you know, I was struck uh, first, I guess it was probably my first four years in ministry, uh, I watched four or five men that were friends of mine all fall morally. Oh. And, uh, mm. you know, one is in jail for 12 years. Uh, the... Other three are uh, also out of ministry. And, uh, you know, what is almost across the board common is that they stop tending to their own souls. Uh, And Mm. their own devotional life, as we have been talking about these last couple of days together, our need to be in the Word and to be in prayer and to be growing in the things of Christ. They also, they not only isolated themselves from the Lord, but it also seems like they isolated themselves from fellow brothers. Uh, and that seems to be common as well. And so, you know, one of the things we've been emphasizing as uh, GRN is these companies of pastors, where we've been trying to put together men so that they're not isolated. So t- tell our listeners about that and, and, yeah. sort of in the his- and the history behind it. Yeah, so there was, uh, you know, I was, after I watched a number of men fall, uh, began thinking about this. And so... Uh, contacted a few different guys in the PCA and said, what if we just did a monthly phone call together, uh, did a Skype call together where we can see each other's face and we can update each other uh, for 40 minutes or so and then talk about some topic together for 20 minutes and then be praying for each other. No, we're praying for each other. And then what if we got together three times a year? Uh, One day for a day and a half retreat just to hold each other accountable, press into each other's lives, pray for each other. Get together at General Assembly, uh, get together at Twin Lakes Fellowship, uh, because all of us attended that. And we just saw the benefits of it after a year or two years. And the more I talked to other men, I noticed that this was this is just something that's lacking in a lot of pastors' lives. And so we started, we haven't we really haven't advertised this much. We were talking about that today too, John. We, we haven't advertised this at all. We've kind of just put it out there, announced it a couple times, and we have well over a hundred guys that have signed up because there is this need just mostly, to have brothers. pastors. Yeah, right? bro- well, it's all pastors. All pastors. Pastors that need fellow brothers to walk through life with and walk through ministry with and know that they can speak uh, about the things of God with and the struggles in ministry. And you got all these brothers praying for you all over the country. Yeah, amen. So, so encouraging. And um, We are Christians first and then ministers. 
Amen. And uh, we, sh we can never forget that. Uh, what was it? John Piper's book entitled Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. That's right. And that's a big emphasis in the GRN is we want to encourage our own hearts and encourage the hearts of ministers all across our beloved denomination to not forget that, that uh, we need to cultivate our own walk with God before we teach others to have one. If we ever forget that, then we could be the next statistic. And uh, we don't meet in groups like this or like the one you were talking about because we think we're strong. Uh, we do that because we know we're weak and we need accountability. We need encouragement and prayer and uh, to have friends. Uh, pastors need friends. And uh, a lot of times I think that that's not the case and they're, they're alone. Um, so, uh, Harry, we were talking about worship earlier. Um, I know you've been doing some thinking about this. You were sharing with the guys earlier about the connection of, uh, of Lord's Day worship and discipleship. And uh, this has been a major emphasis of the GRN, talking about the, the significance and importance of Reformed worship. And, uh, uh, you know, it's always been an emphasis in the Reformed um, and confessional camp. Um, how have we perhaps lost some of that emphasis in our own day, and how do we recover it? What should be emphasized? Well, just a couple of thoughts on that. By the way, if I can reinforce the other, I've got a, three guys. We've been meeting together for 35 years now. We used to meet four times a year to pray and talk with each other. Now we only meet once a year. And uh, so a guy said to me, well, why do you, why'd y'all back off and, and you only meet once a year? And I said, well, uh, because we know each other so well now, we don't even have to meet and uh, the second reason is, is we're so old we can't get into trouble anymore. So, uh, or not too much. That's right. So not, or not as much trouble. And so, uh, but I love those guys. I cannot tell you what they've meant to me in my life and my family. And, you know, we officiate in the, our kids' weddings and, um, and assist and minister to each other. So I, I highly love this. And I was first introduced. We were first introduced to it. Same thing. We saw a bunch of our friends. Um, uh, forfeit their ministries because mm. of unwise decisions and secret mm. lives that had been developed over a period of time. And so we just said, we got the green light. You can ask anything, call anything, stop anytime, do whatever you want to, but you got to pray for each other and uphold each other. So that was uh, very helpful. In terms of worship, John, if I can just say this, um, I, I'm convinced, uh, it's like I was sharing with our people the other day, I want you to have a big faith, but I'm okay if you got a little faith, as long as your faith is in the God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because the key to the, uh, to the challenges of life is the ability uh, to know who your God is. And you don't cut him down to size, to, know, to your size, to know that he's within you. You understand the, the God of the Bible that even the thresholds have enough sense to tremble in his presence as mm. inanimate objects. And that's the God who dwells within you. Mm. And uh, so, um, and I believe that the place that that is communicated best is in the gathered worship where we've come to praise that God in the majesty and declare his transcendence while rejoicing in his eminence, that that God lives within us. And all of that is assured and proclaimed in the gospel message. It's that God whose train filled the throne room that left the throne room to die at Calvary and has now ascended. And that's the God whom we worship. So, uh, so I don't think it's, you know, I used to look at, um, at Moses going under the command of God to tell Pharaoh to let my people go three days out to worship. You know, was that a strategy? Was that a tactic? And no, that was the objective. And then when Pharaoh in the sixth plague comes back and says, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll make a place for y'all to worship. And Moses said, no, we're not, we're not going to do that because our worship will be odious in your sight. Now, what's interesting, because of the quote, here's how these two things tie together, John, I, to answer your question, is because the objective has become church growth, mm. the worship service has become an evangelist, at best, an evangelistic event that, by the way, we'll worship. I'm all for people coming to Christ, and we invite people to Christ, an invitation to Christ in every single worship service, as well as address believers. But the worship service that, uh, that equips believers and evangelizes the lost realizes that those are the consequences of a worship service, not the objective of a worship yes. service. The objective is the praise of God. And, the, and our worship is not defined by what the culture approves, but by what God commands. Amen. I was introduced to that when I, I was converted. Uh, I, was, 
I was an athlete. I was young. I was enthusiastic. I was eager. I was newly married. I became a Christian, and I'm in a church. I'm in a little Presbyterian church of 125 people. That means you're the youth pastor. <laughs> and I thought Malachi was an Italian prophet named Malachi, and I'm now the youth pastor. And um, so I went to the pastor, and I said, hey, can we start doing this to get the kids? And he said, I, and I said, it, it wouldn't be opposed to the Bible, would it? And he said, well, you know, Harry, one of the things I want to teach you is that what we do in worship is not just what's not opposed in the Bible, but we do what's commanded in the Bible, and we take great joy that God says this pleases him. And when we worship him, that's how these kids are going to be drawn to Christ in that kind of worship. And I said, whoa. That, and that started me on that principle. So that's where the great joy came in my life about worship. So as I said to our folks, even last Lord's Day, I said, I pray, we pray, our elders call us, uh, we, worship, we work on this worship service so that when you gather here as God's people, you meet a God who is too much. A God that you can't wrap around in your mind. You can know him intimately, personally, and accurately, but you cannot know him exhaustively. Mm. That God is the God who will go with you when you leave this service. And um, so I believe that's, I believe worship sets the, ther ther the thermostat for an effective Christian life. Amen. And one thing we value highly as, uh, as those who are Reformed and confessional hold into the Westminster Standards is the understanding that um, when God says that his means of grace work, then they will work, and we can trust them. That's where our confidence is. Our confidence is not in our own abilities. It's not in the music ministry. It's not in the, 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 uh, the effectiveness of our programs. Our confidence ultimately is in the word and in the sacraments and in prayer, the means of grace. And in question 154 of the larger catechism, it uses this wonderful word, effectual. Uh, it says, uh, what are the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of his mediation? Answer, the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to his church the benefits of Christ's mediation are all his ordinances, especially the word, sacraments, and prayer, all which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. And that is a, an important emphasis of the Gospel Reformation Network when it comes to worship, discipleship, church life, is that we'll do a lot of things, but it's these very means that God has promised to use and has attached his promises to, to communicate Christ to the elect. And so we do so with confidence, whether we're in a small setting or a large setting, we know that's what the Lord will bless. You know, John, one thing I'd just add to that is I came into the Reformed faith a little bit later in my ministry. And one of the things that just strikes me every time I read what you just read and consider the ordinary means is how freeing that is to yes. the life of a minister. Yeah. I remember when I was in my early years of ministry, I was reading book after book about how to do effective ministry. And I remember thinking, I am not smart enough to figure out which method is going to work. How do I do enough research, enough demographical study, enough cultural anthropology? And then after I've come up with all these theories, which one and which piece of which one do I take to work most effectively here? I may make a whole wreck of my ministry because I picked the wrong one. And then when I came into the Reformed Use the wrong this, movie illustration. Yeah. They're going to hell because you, you yeah. use the Matrix well, instead of, uh, yeah. you know. Exactly. Instead of Superman. Um, <laughs> and, but honestly, the freedom for the minister to say God has ordained the means that he uses is a great joy. And it is life-giving to our calling. But, but let, here's me, a let me just say one thing there, because uh, when he said the movie illustration, but it's worse than that. It's Now it's the movie. I mean, literally, mm -hmm. I'm fully aware of a church right now. Many people would know the name if I gave it. Uh, popcorn, Coca-Cola, come in, show a movie, and then the pastor gives a talk afterward. That's Sunday morning worship. Now, I, I've got. let me just say something very clearly. I actually would love to do that on a Saturday night, Friday night. I think that is an evangelistic uh, uh, instrument. Sure. It's a great thing to do, but that is not worship. 
And ultimately, if you don't have the gravitas of worship and the weightiness of worship, then you won't have weightiness in the Christian life, and you will lose the gospel message that changes the lives of people, it's ultimately also, and finally. It's also not evangelism unless Christ is clearly presented in a verbal form. You know, one of the problems is people are underestimating just how great the problem is. And I have sympathy for sociology-driven ministers, like you're saying, David. They're they're trying to to get it right, get the right manipulation, the right enticement going, but they fail to realize that they are dead in their sins. And what they need is a supernatural resurrection. And, you know, John, the, the, the kind of ministry you're describing, if I could be critical, it would take a miracle for that to work. Only God has to do And he does. He delights to do the miracle. Yeah. And who gets the glory? He does. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that we're underestimating how great is the problem. We're not trying to get them to make a consumer choice. You talk about the Egyptians. I can't worship among you because it would be offensive. Well, we're just making it non-offensive. But we're forgetting that our job as ministers is not to get people to make a consumer choice, but that the dead would be raised spiritually there would be Ephesians 2 they would be resurrected raised up together with Christ for that you need supernatural means amen. and those are the ones that God gives us amen uh, we uh, had a wonderful uh, walk earlier to take a little break from our meetings uh, to walk through uh, historic Charleston South Carolina and our listeners will be pleased to know that we have sitting with us historian at large Mel Duncan uh, ruling elder um, uh, wonderful historian on South Carolina history. And Mel, just tell us, before I ask you a, a question relevant to the GRN, how is it to walk through the streets of Charleston today? It's a foretaste of heaven. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. At least he didn't say it is heaven. That's, where, that's an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> John, one of the great privileges that I've had the last few years is to be a part not just of this conversation, but to watch this conversation become the PCA's conversation. You have posited this notion that we should be promoting an idea of mere Presbyterianism. And I think part of what our aspiration is, which is to cultivate healthy reformed churches in the PCA, is that this is something that belongs not just to teaching elders, but it belongs to the layman in the pew. It belongs to the the people who teach Sunday school. It belongs to the deacons and the elders. We want to cultivate a sense of biblical reform Christianity. And that's not just how we're saved. That's how we get along with one another. That's how we worship, as Harry's already spoken of. And uh, our our aspiration is to help the PCA remember those things which we once professed mightily and boldly and clearly. And maybe we've struggled doing a little bit in recent years. Uh, This organization has done this by not just... Uh, the men around this table having this conversation. As a matter of fact, I think we were here a couple of years ago when we first started talking through in these rooms what our vision and distinctives will be. But we've tried to hold events related to PCA uh, assemblies and also to go to PCA-related seminaries and try to encourage folks uh, to think through uh, having a strong commitment on these, these kind of ideas that we're fostering. Uh, We want to encourage, whether you're listening uh, to this podcast in 2018 or some years down the road, uh, to check us out, gospelreformation.net. If you're coming to a General Assembly, plan to come early every year. We hope to do events and seminars that will speak into uh, the life of the PCA in a variety of ways. If you're a young man interested in ministry, we want to help you uh, on your path. We want to try to connect you to uh, good churches and good seminaries, and uh, but I think more than anything, what we want to do is we want to help one another end well. And I think that uh, the, the conversation that I've been privileged to be on the front row of in this room is something that we'd like to see happen throughout the PCA. Amen. And, and Mel, of course, you're our, uh, our one ruling elder, council member. Um, we've been talking about some... I, I prefer representative member on behalf of the ruling elder. <laughs> As a father go. is a representative member of the Godhead, you are the well, representative well, ruling well, elder. Well, 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 well. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're, we've been talking about some exciting uh, initiatives yeah. uh, to, to minister to ruling elders yeah. within the PCA. I want you to tell our listeners about uh, some things that we would, we would like to see happen in the future. 
Well, we, we would like to encourage the PCA on several different levels. Jason has talked about the Council of Pastors. We have our yearly denominational meeting. Uh, we hope in 2019 to, uh, we'll be able to announce soon uh, our special guest speakers for that event. Uh, we're very interested in networking together young ministers, but also uh, older ministers that are looking for community. And I think one of the things the Gospel Reformation Network does it's un that's unique is that we're helping folks uh, develop good biblical philosophies of ministry. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, maybe you're at Westminster or at RTS Charlotte or at another seminary. We have aspirations of having our council uh, members do seminars and teaching uh, to help you with that, particularly if you're a PCA a minister or ordinand or licentiate, we want to help you with that. Uh, I, I think some of the things that we do best are, are the articles and things that we have online. All of our council members write, except me, of course, and we're trying to encourage uh, our, uh, uh, our, our, you know, our impact on the PCA. We love the PCA. Yeah. We're all PCA men. Uh, many of us have been brought to the Lord through the ministry of PCA men. Uh, we, we desire the very best for the family of God and that part of the family of God that's called the PCA. So our hope is to be a resource to the church. We're all involved in different ministries. Uh, we, we represent some different seminaries and colleges and, and parachurch organizations, but we feel like we have a common ground through the GRN into speaking to the life of the PCA. Yes, and um, we last year came up with some distinctives. Uh, which we sort of put in couplets uh, because we see them as related to one another. I do just want to read through those for our listeners just so they know exactly. I mean, our, our, our main purpose, uh, the umbrella purpose, is to cultivate healthy Reformed churches in the Presbyterian Church in America. But our vision and distinctives are these, biblical fidelity and confessional integrity. We want to be faithful to the scriptures and our preaching and ministry as well as uh, full of integrity when it comes to holding to the confession, uh, that is the Westminster Standards, uh, holding to that confession which we took vows to defend and to teach. And so that's a priority we, we believe we need to have in the PCA. And uh, we want to be gospel-driven and Christ-exalting in our ministry. We want to, uh, to encourage earnest prayer and expository preaching. Uh, and fourthly, uh, we want to have intentional evangelism. Uh, and personal discipleship. Uh, we want, to, number five, to have godly leadership and Presbyterian polity, to make those an emphasis. Uh, number six, reformed worship and vibrant community. We see those two things as very much related. And seven, missional clarity and church multiplication. Uh, you can read more about those on our website uh, under the, the summaries of those statements as well as the articles that uh, are now uh, being gathered. Um, Another important aspect of the Gospel Reformation Network is, is tone, isn't it, brothers? Um, we've seen a lot of, of butting of heads, uh, uncharitable assumptions, uh, people being angry, a lot of uh, uh, grenade throwing on Facebook, those kinds of things within our denomination, uh, a lot of tempers flaring. And um, we've wanted to bring not just what we believe is sound doctrine, but also... Uh, sound living when it comes to talking to one another. And, uh, now, John, are you going that. to announce the GRN's position on the college football playoff system? Is that something we can release at this point? Um, that'll be the next episode. Okay. Yes, okay. yes, thank you. And we all know who's going to win. The right. Well, Roll Tide! Well. <laughs> uh, somebody edit that out, please. Um, but uh, tone is important, and I, I did want to discuss that uh, here in this podcast because... Um, Irenacy is something that we've we've lost in our day. We've 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 forgotten how to talk to one another about things we we disagree about, and um, even within uh, uh, the PCA, uh, we have various camps and various applications of our confession, and um, there are disagreements. And the question is, how do we disagree well and in a godly way? And uh, so I'll just kind of open that up and uh, let, let's talk about that for a minute. I think, you know, as we've talked about, though, I think even one step before tone, we, we've talked about we, we want hearts to be in the right place. Correct. And that's where it starts. That's where it starts. And so we want to consider uh, the best, always, of brothers that are in the Lord. I mean, we are, 
united together, uh, not only in a denomination, uh, but we're united um, by our common faith, uh, in our common Lord, by our one baptism, and we'll be united together in heaven for all eternity. And so, having the best mind uh, towards one another, uh, considering others better than ourselves, uh, our Lord Jesus said they will know you by your love for one another. And so, we want that to be true, uh, not just in uh, our words, uh, not just in our actions, but also in our mind and our hearts as we discuss these things. Is it possible to love someone that you disagree on on an aspect of, of, of doctrine? Is that even possible? <laughs> it doesn't seem that like it is. With, well, with, it's it's a funny phenomenon yeah. because you tend to be most heated with the people you disagree with who are otherwise closest to you. And I thought it was some years ago the Southern Baptist Church boycotted Disneyland. They did not boycott Playboy magazine. Yeah. There's kind of no point of that, you know. So we, what makes it difficult is we have we take vows together, and we have shared expectations of one another. But one, and, and that, it's important then that we that we 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 be open to critique. Yes. That we would. There's nothing in, inherently unloving. To say, I, I don't understand how you can say this or that or do this or that. Sometimes that is loving. To the, exactly. And, and, and some people will say, well, even to do that, it, it's not charitable. Well, no, what's charitable is not listening to them in a good spirit where you're letting them speak for themselves and, and really trying to understand them. But it's an interesting phenomenon that you tend to be most heated uh, within families. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think we always want to remember that. There may be people with whom we, we're kind of shocked at things that are being done or being said, and yet these are people who would go to the torch over the Trinity, over the atoning work of Jesus. And so uh, uh, it's just a curious phenomenon. Uh, when you're, It's like in a, in a marriage. You, have, you live on top of each other. You know, you're, you're, you're sharing the same world together, and you have expectations. Uh, we need to keep in mind that uh, the, the, the love that we share, the, the fraternity that we aspire to, and so we want to pursue uh, a kind of oneness that is actual union. Yes. And we're not, so one of our goals has been we're not trying to defeat another side. Mm-hmm. There are things that we're, we, we want to promote. There are concerns that we have. We try to prayerfully express them, and in, in you're never going to do it perfectly. Trying to do it in a, in a helpful way. Uh, and kind of the, the social media environment, even doing that, you're going to be called uncharitable and unloving. So we really have to labor for that. The other thing is so much of our communication is not face-to-face. And we don't actually, often we don't know them personally. We don't see them. Now, sometimes you can. If somebody writes a book review of one of my books, that's fair game. You write a book, you get a book review. It may be negative. But the nature of the medium encourages quick responses that are ill-considered and not prayed about. Yeah. So we want to model uh, godliness in that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah let me uh, say that I think back to this matter of church health, that would be what you're bringing up, John, is a matter of, of a, a healthy church has been led by pastors who know how to major on the majors and minor on the minors. And uh, unhealthy churches will minor on the majors and major on the minors. And uh, so that's number one. Number two, the Bible even teaches us that every doctrine in the Bible is important. That's why Jesus says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. But the Bible itself says there's some things of first importance, such as 1 Corinthians 15. Mm -hmm. Well, if some things are of first importance, that means some things are of secondary importance. Mm -hmm. So we, a healthy church, knows how to start with the primary and have absolute unity, learn how to bring people along on the secondary and tertiary doctrines. Now, the one caveat I would bring is this. There are secondary doctrines that I can disagree with my brothers on as we begin to debate them, and I realize this is secondary or tertiary. But we always have to remember at the level of pastoral leadership is a pastor can get a secondary doctrine wrong, but he is committing a primary error in how he's handling the scriptures that is going to lead to primary errors later. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we have to have that kind of honest talk with each other. And then I would say, back to your thing on leadership, one of the things that I long to see is the ability to speak the truth in love. And when you do that, you not only 
uh, Rick just said, I've got to, the person I'm talking with, I've got to listen to them. What is their position? Not what I'm afraid their position is, yes. but what is their position? And I've got to deal with it honestly. And then secondly, I think one of the things I'd love to get back to is a courageous leadership among pastors, but a commitment to personal modesty. And, uh, and, mm. that, um, and that one is always going to the last seat. One is always going to the last place in line. And this matter of self-promotion, which is so easy in our day of technology and social media, is that we would just learn to say no to that. The virtue of, of uh, modesty in leaders is something that has been lost. In fact, I will just, since we're doing this right now, I've been doing a study of the life of the president, our 41st president that just died, George Bush, and I'm afraid that this may be, uh, he's not only what well, is probably the last veteran of World War II who would have public service in our midst, but he is, he really represented that quote-unquote patrician view that you give yourself fully in public service, but you never promote yourself. You always commit yourself to uh, personal modesty. I, I think that's something we need to embrace. That in pastors will show up in a congregation. Amen. Yeah, I think another issue that we're, we're certainly aspiring to, John, is uh, we have no secret agendas. We really have worked hard at that. Uh, we, we're going to tell you what we're promoting. We, if you say to me, you know, what's your end game? What are you hoping this will look like? We, we will tell you. And we want, we, we're not, we're laboring very hard. There's nothing surreptitious. There's nothing secret. Uh, we want uh, a vision of spiritual and church health that's in accordance with our confessional standards and the teaching of the Word of God. We want the the, the Bible's description of the problem of sin and, and, and of life to be our, our assessment of that. We want to use biblical methods. And I do think that uh, we're not trying to maneuver anyone. We're trying to we're promote... We're not a political organization, in other words. Yeah, no, and, and, and there's no... We, we've been here for over a day, and there's been no talk yet about, you know, uh, who we're going to try and oust or that kind of thing. Uh, we're not we're not here to maneuver. We're a proclamatory ministry, and we will tell you straight up what we're trying to do. Um, and I just think that uh, you know we want to promote the things that we believe in. We want to encourage. We want to show integrity in that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's awfully hard when when votes are being taken at general assembly, and you know often you go to general assembly, there are sides. Pretty much everybody knows what side they're on. But you know, it's, last year's general assembly was really encouraging. Because we were actually talking to people who were quote unquote on the other side, and we found out we had a lot more common ground than maybe a neutral observer would have had. So we want to lay our cards on the table. We are open to dialogue. We want to, and I'm sure we fail at times, but I do think it's important um, that uh, that we're we're godly in our methods as well as our message. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Ross. Um, you are, of course, friends with uh, many around the denomination, uh, a younger, a younger generation than all those old guys around this table. Um, what, what have you seen uh, as you've been viewing the GRN, uh, as you've been coming to the luncheons, which we have every year? Um, how, how, what would you say to young ministers and and uh, and, and seminarians in, in terms of the GRN and, and and how to be involved or why they should be listening to this message? Yeah, there, there's a lot of complications uh, in any denomination. Uh, a lot of, I should say, complexities uh, mm -hmm. to things that are happening. Um, I think as young ministers, we're still trying to figure out how to <laughs> manage time and prepare sermons and. Uh, making sure that we have our theology uh, straight enough to proclaim clearly uh, without uh, being unorthodox. And so some of the, the bigger movements in the denomination can be um, hard to navigate. And I, I think that hearing experienced, seasoned uh, brothers and fathers in the faith uh, leading and clearly laying out why certain things are helpful and other things are not helpful. Um, it, it provides uh, 
almost a compass for uh, for those who who maybe aren't well versed in some of the the uh, the issues that are a bit more controversial or um, that maybe we haven't even had time to think about very deeply. And you go back to the original issue with uh, the issue on sanctification and some of the things that were said uh, that turned out to be um, unbiblical and unhelpful on the face of it, um, they they may have looked uh, like someone is being faithful to the gospel and proclaiming justification as freely as it needed to be proclaimed and that sort of thing. But without the shepherding care of other brothers and fathers in the faith, um, those things might not become clear to to those of us who are a bit younger um, until damage has been done. And so just the principle that uh, gray hairs are a crown uh, to the aged, um, that God gives wisdom to those who have more experience uh, and knowledge than we do, um, should uh, should give us uh, it, um, the desire to listen and to learn and to not uh, try to navigate uh, the waters of a denomination or a ministry uh, all by ourselves. Mm. Well, uh, this has been a, a great conversation, and um, we are here uh, uh, so that our listeners know for our annual Gospel Reformation Network Council meetings. Uh, Ligon Duncan and David Strain uh, were not able to, to be with us um, this week, but it's been a, a wonderful week of encouragement and, and dialogue and uh, vision casting about how uh, really we can just be an encouragement to, to a denomination that we love, that we want to see prosper. It's, it's not unusual for a denomination uh, uh, to, to spiral into uh, liberalism. And we've seen this over and over and over again uh, in church history. Uh, we see many of the mainline denominations all around us now proclaiming, you know, more than one way to heaven, uh, proclaiming that uh, biblical marriage is just one way of marriage. That there are but many it didn't others. start there, did it? It started when we compromised the scripture under cultural pressure. That's, that's right. It's at those cultural pressure points and the PCA's feeling the pressure. That's correct. And so the GRN... Uh, we're, we're not, we don't think we're the, the saviors of the world or the saviors of the PCA. We just see an opportunity to bring some encouragement and uh, hopefully some, some sound teaching to encourage uh, us to, to continue uh, to walk strong in the Lord personally as men and con, and concerning pastoral piety, but then also uh, to make sure that we are uh, preaching and defending sound doctrine as we are um, required to do from Titus chapter 1. No? John, let me just say on behalf of the council, we're so excited to see the growth of Christ Church Charleston. I feel like I've made it now that I'm on the Between the Times podcast. I mean, life, is, <laughs> life is complete in many ways. Uh, but no, it, it's... Our a, six listeners will be very happy. Well, and I'll see if I can get you a couple more. But uh, uh, no, it, it's a joy to watch you here in Charleston and to see the growth of this congregation, to get to know Ross and the, uh, the good people of this church. And uh, we're excited as well that you're our leader and we're grateful for you and for your ministry amongst us and the Gospel Reformation Network. You know, Mel, uh, both you and I uh, had turned as children living in Charleston. And uh, hmm. then, um, and so it's been great to be back here. And we're excited about the work of the PCA in this area in general, and we're very excited about the work that John's doing. And uh, I do want everyone to know that I actually knew John when he was spelt young, uh, without a receding hairline, <laughs> and I've I've actually got a picture of him four feet in the air, almost um, heading a ball into a goal playing something, I think they call it soccer or something like that. <laughs> I've heard of that. Have you heard about that? Know. Yeah, it's an imported sport. Say it from, isn't so, Harry. It's an imported sport from Russia or something like that. I'm not Do sure. you know the name of the institution that he first played soccer at? Is no, my question. No, I do not. It is the higher seminary of learning within South Carolina. I, was it the Clemson with a P? Yeah, well, the, <laughs> the, the P is pronounced. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes, I, yes. That's it, It's absent in the spelling, but pronounced. That's right. If, if right. one is right. accurate. I just and, want to appeal to our listeners, too, to pray for Ross and John. It's a difficult environment here on the peninsula. Yes, it is. On King Street in Charleston that... 
You know, it's just such a cultural Rick, desert that I, they face when they walk out the door. Rick, I think I felt a sea breeze as we walked out the door the other day. Yes, it's just, you know. Or was that John preaching? Was that his hot air? I'm not sure. <laughs> it is heartbreaking to see. I believe Dr. Reeder calls that Presbyterian wind. That's right. <laughs> and then finally, I, John, I also want to say, that, for me finally, I want to say thank you for your leadership. Uh, we're grateful for it. And, you know, really, I mean, I love those seven couplets, and uh, I encourage people to visit the website on it, the various articles and blogs and everything that's there. Some good resources, and uh, Mel, thanks for getting that off the ground, uh, that, mm-hmm. that, um, that website uh, years ago. And, um, but, I, you know, when it comes right down to it, we want to see godly preachers who really believe God. We don't have a plan B. Yeah. It's through the foolishness of the message preached that we're being saved. We want to see pastors and congregations that engage in prolonged intercessory prayer with an intolerable burden, asking God for another gospel awakening that begins with revival in our churches and reformation in our pulpits. We want to see. Um, we want to see our people. When they scatter from that God-centered worship, engaged in personal evangelism, we want to see good, solid, small group discipleship like Jesus did the twelve and the three and the seventy. We we also want to see we want to see a church that knows how to not that knows how to not. Boy, I loved it when Rick said it a while ago. We don't make alliances. We don't make alliances um, with uh, political parties. We don't make alliance. We don't have a plan B. We don't have any other alliances. Our allegiance is to King Jesus, and the embassy of His kingdom is His church, and it's the equipping center of His army. And we want to take the means of grace and do and do the battle for Him. So that's what we're just simply looking for in those kind of churches. And we thank God for the PCA. We thank God for yes. its original vision of uh, the Great Commission, true to the, the Reformed faith, and then embracing the infallibility, inerrancy, and sufficiency of the Scriptures, mm-hmm. the magisterium of the Bible in the Church of Jesus Christ. So I'm glad that John's leading us in that direction. And our, our effort, we are not saviors. We are on the journey with everybody else, yeah. but we do want to help each other. And Harry, you, you probably remember this today, that we're recording this podcast is actually the day the PCA was formed in 1973. Yes, and uh, and then also at, at your church, right? Might yeah, the first general assembly was right there. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I had wow. the great joy at our Thanksgiving service at Briarwood this year. We have a Thanksgiving service the Sunday of Thanksgiving every year, and there is my pastor emeritus, the founding pastor of Briarwood, stand up. And he thanked God for his wife, Barbara, whom he's caring for now in some challenging times. Then he thanked God that Briarwood was allowed to be a part of the PCA. Hmm. And, uh, and that if, if he has that heart as the founding pastor, then I'm going to have the heart uh, to be a part of what God might yet do. And while we thank God for what he has done, we'd like for our God to do something today so that our best days are yet ahead of us. Here, here. Amen. What a wonderful and encouraging uh, conversation today. Thank you all for being with us in the Christ Church Studios uh, here at uh, 104 Broad Street. And uh, we do thank you, our listeners, for joining us. If you would like to learn more about the GRN or read some of those articles, again, that address is gospelreformation.net. A lot of uh, resources at that location, so please check it out. And until next time, we thank you for joining us on Between the Times.